Hello and welcome to another episode of Henry Western's Old Mate the Podcast. Uh, before we get going, this is a very, very turf-specific pod, so if you are not a turfy, you may want to switch off now. If not, um, I have warned you. Um, this is going to be specific for the Greenkeeping Mental Health Support Group that I am a member of on Facebook. Before we get into today's subject matter, please like, rate and review this podcast. Share us about, give us that five star uh, review and the written review if you can. It all helps those algorithms. It all helps us get out there. So I am as normal looking at myself on the Zoom screen, but I don't have any guests. I have sat down and decided to record a podcast to try and show some support for the other greenkeepers out there. And uh, a bit of a caveat to start this podcast. This is not a whinge or a whine about my specific situation uh, in my role as head greenkeeper at Westgate and Birchington Golf Club. I am very well supported. I have the backing of committees, managers, uh, my boss, the uh, golf pro, um, director of golf, if you will. Um, but... As we know, there are a lot of pressures and particularly this weather situation that we are experiencing across the country is leading to a lot of problems within our industry that I know of. Like I say, I am being well supported, but it is obvious there are many that are not. So I thought I would jump on, try and get a few words down, explain my day to day, some of the mental feelings that I have how my day starts, and then we can go on to look at a few subject points that I've got written in front of me, and we will see. Let's try and get half an hour. If we go on a bit more, stop a bit short, then there we go. I'll try not to repeat myself, but yeah, I am Stu. I am a head greenkeeper. I have been in my role for since the 1st of August last year, over 20 years in the industry. I have experienced... A bit. I experienced that very wet winter in the very early 2000s. Was it 2001 where it didn't stop raining? That I was still at my first golf club, uh, Royal Sinkports down on the Kent Coast. I have worked across Europe. I've done a couple of wet Dutch summers. Um, I've done a particularly cold Czechoslovakian winter where we had snow settle from the 22nd of November and that stayed with us till some point in March. Um, I've experienced a bit. But like I say, online, it's obvious that greenkeepers, not just head greenkeepers, but the industry is struggling. So the current weather situation, it is wet. Water tables are high. We had a amazingly wet, if you will, August, um, which is great for growing grass. It's great for overseeding. It's great for getting that, that germination. Uh, I overseeded late August um, on the advice of my seed supplier you know i had the third week in september booked out in the diary and uh, and uh john at collier's suggested that if i had if i could fit it in why not go in august and just make sure that that bent grass that i was putting in the ground really could establish itself um we had wonderful results um thank you to john uh for that advice uh, again, that was just advice that I followed. And as I always say on this podcast, everyone is welcome to do their greenkeeping the way they want. The way I do it is not necessarily right or wrong. And I would never suggest that the way anyone else does it is right or wrong. You do it how you see fit. And I guess the results uh, prove whether we've uh, got it right or maybe not so right. Um, so, yeah, the current weather, let's get back to that. 
August, really, I had over 100 mil uh, down on the Kent coast. Brilliant. Absolutely wonderful. But it obviously means that that water table was up a little bit going into September and October where the rain has continued. Uh, that water table is higher now as we enter November. The water table is sitting very, very high and it takes, uh, you know, on a very free draining site that I am at Westgate and Birchington, uh, my damper greens, one hour of rain and I am now experiencing the whole cups filling up and and not draining away on three specific greens. They're my, what I would call my indicator greens. Uh, and that is the point where I then have to consider to sort of taking play off those greens. Um, and that has its own stresses, doesn't it? Um, we are a busy little golf club. All golf clubs are busy, I think. Uh, and I want to chat a little bit about policies that might be in place and how you go around how do we go about keeping everyone happy? That impossible question. Can we keep the golf course open and protected? For me, uh, I try and stay open and restrict wheels as a some form of natural defense because of the age of my membership. By restricting wheels, that restricts a certain amount of golf. Uh, and that then allows me to leave the majority of the golf course open for people who want to carry. Um, what that obviously has is a potential effect on revenue through things like halfway houses and clubhouses, kitchens and bars. Um, we are not a huge golf club for green fees or societies, but I know this week gone yesterday, for example, when I, through the restriction of wheels because of, the rain that we had on Wednesday, uh, that meant that a society was, I don't know if it ended up being cancelled or if the numbers were certainly down, which then the pre-booked dinner afterwards is affected. So the catering company who run the clubhouse, you know, they will lose money. And these are all things that I don't have to, I do have to consider and I have to try and balance. But for me, obviously, being the greenkeeper, the head greenkeeper, my priority is protecting my playing surfaces. First and foremost, my greens. Um, we have small teeing areas. We tend to have, because we are at 18-hole par 64, so we've got eight par threes, uh, uh, quite a few with only one single tee, one tee that acts as, you know, all, all year. Um, so you can imagine they cop a bit of a hammering. So I am trying to protect tees and greens, my fairways, are what they are, if I'm honest. Uh, we don't overseed. We don't. They have no nutritional program. They are native ryegrass species that, you know, they just do what they do with the elements. We don't do anything. There's no irrigation on the fairway. So in the summer, if it's dry, they burn off. You know, in the spring, if it's damp and warming up, they, they grow a bit. Uh, and the same in autumn. Um, the same for my roughs. Uh, we have very little nutrition on my teas, but we, we've managed to sneak a little bit in. But... Um, because we recently put some down. So what we have is is nice green, nice teas to present because they've been well fed and they look pretty healthy. But what that does is makes it very hard for me to suggest to the membership and the directors that my teas are struggling, which they are, but they still they're still presenting quite well. You know, they've got good colour and put a mow on them and they they look nice but they are getting battered and they need a rest. How do you, you can mention in the comments, if you see this on Facebook, how do you go about protecting your golf course, guys? It's very hard. I have a very, very strong relationship with my director of golf. 
Um, the decision is pretty much left to me. And we're at the point now where the current policy is with the water table being so, so high that if we have any significant rain, and I guess significant is a bit of an ambiguous word, what classifies as significant rain. But for me, if we have heavy rain, really anything more than an hour, if we're talking anything between five and 10 mil, um, then I restrict wheels and we go to, a, and the current policy is those restrictions stay in place for 48 hours. And we hope, and we have, we aim to have no more significant rain in that 48 hour period. And we will resume review the golf course the morning after that 48 hour period um, and make a decision. Obviously, my director of golf, my board of directors, my membership want to be open to wheels. Uh, when I say wheels, I mean trolleys. We have a huge amount of single-seater buggies that have, you know, aren't really designed for golf courses. I guess they are. They're sold as golf vehicles, but but they're not, you know, the, the tyres mark up. They're, they're pretty awful. I think most people in the industry would agree. But it does allow people of a certain age or people with health issues to get out and play golf, which we want to encourage having suffered severely with anxiety over the years. I am fully aware of not fully aware. That's a bit of a big segment. I am well aware of how good exercise and fresh air is for your mental health. And I want the, I want people to be able to come out and enjoy the golf course. But at some point, I guess this is the next point we can go on to at some point. I have to prioritize the playing surfaces. I have three problem greens on my golf course. So we, we start with a par three, uh, elevated tee down to a par three, uh, very little option for a temporary green, very small green, very shaded green, very prone to holding water, quite prone to a little bit of disease activity. And the way the bunkering has been redesigned, it's a quite, it's a very nice looking Par three, but what it does is it funnels everyone onto the front of the green, a very narrow entrance to the green, eight to 10 meters wide. Uh, everyone uses that area to access the green, of course. That's the, the, the way it works. And the front of that green is getting worn out. Grass coverage has gone from 95 to 100%, probably to somewhere around 50 to 60% in a period of two to three weeks. Uh, I have tried overseeding twice with sort of hoops and ropes and everything um and not really been able to get much seed through uh golfers have been quite respectful of the area and tried to stay off it but i'm not in a position to close that green really because you know it's the first hole uh there is no there is no sensible option for a sensible playable temporary playing surface the the apron is sloped sort of from high to low from t down to apron so you know there's not really a playable i couldn't really put a sensible pin position on the apron to play any form of golf to so we we have kept it open we haven't really been able to get any seed to you know i've overseeded twice with some of this ultra fine dwarf rye that i've had great success on other greens but it's just it's just not happening um i i did some experiments with growth sheets last year and while we were able to get some some grass through what i noticed was the the healthy sward around these areas then suffered from being under the growth sheet, I know obviously, I yes, I did try and keep the growth sheet 
to the specifically worn areas, but you you know you always get a little bit of healthy grass that is going to be covered. And I really noticed that we did struggle, you know, that sort of yellowing off. And then as we took the growth sheets off, that that particular area really struggled. So it's not really an option. Um, the ideal option is to close the green, but then going into November, you know, that green can't remain closed for three to four to five months over, over the winter period, sadly. Um, so these are all things I said I was going to talk about a bit of day to day, not mental health, but how do how do greenkeepers, how do head greenkeepers approach it? I don't know. This is I I get to work or I set my alarm goes off somewhere between half four and five. Um, I'm sleeping pretty well at the minute, but you know you wake up, you've experienced overnight rain. You know, in the drive, I have about a half hour drive to work, twenty miles. You're driving to work. You're pretty sure that the golf course is going to be wet because you know just how much rain you've had o- overnight. And then you know that you're going to have these, not necessarily problems, but you have to have that conversation with the director of golf that you want to restrict wheels. And like I say, I've been fully supported in this, but that drive to work isn't necessarily stressful, but it does have a little bit of a toll if you're not, if you're and you have to be a strong character uh, and you know you know you're following protocols following guidelines you you hope you're fully supported i am but it still takes a little mental toll and you know you've got to have that chat or send that text message or leave that voicemail to members and you know it's not going to be received well that is the truth um an aide, a member who relies on a pull trolley or a single seater or a two seater golf buggy to play their golf may not be aware or may not really care how much rain you've had overnight. If if they wake up and see that the sun is shining and it's eight or nine degrees and it's pretty good golfing weather, and I've paid my membership, whatever that membership fee is, be it five hundred pounds, a thousand pounds, five thousand pounds, whatever it is, I'm going to go and have my game of golf. And I check the internet or I phone the pro shop or I drive the short distance or the long distance to the golf club and I get there and I'm informed that it's a wheel restriction and I know I can't carry, so I can't play golf. I am frustrated uh, and I'm likely to, if I'm that way inclined, I'm going to aim that direct that frustration towards the pro in the pro shop. He's the first person I see or the greenkeeper if I see him. If I happen to see him and I can understand those frustrations. I don't agree with them, um, but I understand the frustrations and I experienced a little bit of that myself in the last week or so. Um, it wasn't pleasant. It isn't pleasant. You know, I'm, we take no pleasure in closing golf courses or restricting access to anybody I wish that we had perfect golf conditions all year. Of course we do. You know, I'm not silly. Um, when I ask for pay rises for my hardworking staff, um, if I if we have had a wet winter and revenue is down, I know that it's a, I'm not in the strongest position to ask for pay rises, to ask for budget increases. Um, if wheel restrictions have been in place for, let's say, three months and clubhouse revenue is down let's say 20 percent. you know that's a you know it's massive uh people don't come to the golf it's, it, it would be great if people come and supported their golf club when these restrictions are on if they come and had a bacon sandwich if they come and had a 
cup of coffee, but we really can't expect that in the current financial climate. You know, people aren't going to put fuel in their car to come to the golf club to support the golf club when they can't play golf. That's probably an unrealistic thing um, to think of. I really like these clubs who are, are pushing, are utilising their clubhouses for bridge clubs, for, you know, hosting certain events, for, for trying to get the membership in during those cold, wet winter months to support the bar, to support the kitchen, to support the pro shop in a way as well. Um, so it's a struggle, isn't it? Um, and then you allow the flip side to that is you're not sure. Do I, don't I? We've had a lot of rain, but it's not too muddy. The sun's up. Shall we let them out? Hopefully not too many people will turn up because because it's you know pretty wet and there's a bit more rain on the forecast. So you don't put the wheel restrictions in place. And then at eight o'clock, there is a hundred people queuing up to play the first. Absolutely brilliant. The golf club is busy. The golf club is making money. The kitchen staff are happy. The bar staff are happy. The clubhouse are happy. And there is single seaters all up and down the first three fairways. And there is mud developing on your concrete paths. If you have them, your AstroTurf paths. And you realize you haven't made a mistake, but you realize that you're now at that point where you're going to have to potentially now make restrictions when the sun is shining. And then I find that people really, really struggle to get their head around that. I had somebody explain to me that they just couldn't get their head around the sun being up and the wheel restrictions being on. Again, I understand that it is very hard Um and I think the difference being that I guess the golfer is in the is in the the now. Uh, it's eight o'clock, and I want to play golf, and I'm going to be finished by eleven thirty. And that three and a half hour window is what is in their mind. For me, as the greenkeeper, I have six to eight weeks of wet weather behind me that is in my mind. I see the forecast for the next ten to fourteen days, which is damp with temperatures getting colder you know everything adverse to growing grass and maintaining playing surfaces so my that three and a half hour window that the golfer has in their mind having a conversation with me i have a three month window in mind what's gone before and what is predicted to happen in the future i know none of us know what's going to happen in the future but these weather forecasts are pretty good nowadays so that is such a hard conversation Stuart why can't why are the restrictions in place me well it's been damp for six to eight weeks the water table is up playing surfaces are struggling and we've got wet weather predicted for the next 10 to 14 days that is why um, we are both in completely different mental head spaces and neither of us can understand why the other one can't understand. It's very hard. Um, micromanagement. I've seen it on a few forums. Greenkeepers being micromanaged. And it's an interesting conversation, isn't it? Because uh, we are managed by directors of golf, boards of directors, managers, committees, secretaries, however your golf club functions. Uh, I have, I am fortunate. I, I do to a point have, the final say in, in in restrictions on the golf course. Uh, and there was a couple of times last year where we got to the point where the golf club were concerned that I may be being a little bit too cautious. That's understandable because I, 
and and I always say that I will always err on the side of caution. I would rather that our pathways were never churned up. I would rather that the the playing surfaces were never losing grass coverage. To me, once that's happened, it's a bit too late. But how do I, you know, how I can't start restrictions in September because someone had said, oh, we might be having a wet winter. So we have to we have to find out in the now, don't we? So now I'm thinking in the now, we have to find out. And then it's very hard once 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 you start to lose that coverage and what i've experienced in the last three or four weeks is that yeah you you really do in those in those hard wearing areas or high traffic areas i should say crikey did you do lose the grass coverage quick so micromanagement i guess people are referring to being overruled possibly you know putting restrictions in place and then people coming in and saying well actually no we've got this on the T-sheet, we've got that on the T-sheet, so we can't have wheel restrictions, we can't have the course closed, we can't have temporary playing surfaces today. And that must be hugely frustrating, and it is no surprise that uh, professionals in our industry struggle with that because I guess what we would turn around and say is we don't go into pro shops and tell golf pros directors of golf how to manage stock how to manage their shops but certain committees even um that are made up of members and and people or professions in their own right but rarely with a a greenkeeping agronomic background um you know the the old cliche of the bank manager trying to tell the greenkeeper what he should or shouldn't be doing. It's hard. Yes. Again, we're going to refer back to revenue. And I guess that is what drives most things. When the money stops coming in or when the money coming in is less than it needs to be, what do we do? Because we need people coming through the door to pay the bills. But the people coming through the door are wearing the greens out, which means the remedial work or the the large scale work that needs doing next spring to repair all the damage. If the money coming in isn't enough to pay for the remedial work needed, then is it worth it? I know it's a tough one at my golf club because we are a huge our majority of our income comes via our our fees, our membership renewals. Um. So I am in the position where I don't have a huge amount of green fees to, to concern me. I don't have a huge amount of societies to concern me, but what I do have is renewals and members renewing because we renew at a funny time of year. So we have October renewals and then restrictions in November. And obviously the concern is, well, I've just paid my X amount of money to renew and now I can't play golf. And yeah, I fully appreciate that that is tough. That is really tough because you would be tempted to think that the golf club have taken my money, but now they won't allow me to play and I'm frustrated and I want to play. I'm in a fortunate position being the free draining site that we are. We are open a lot more than a lot of local courses. So it's it's not easy, but it's quite 
I'm in the fortunate position that we are open to main greens a lot more than some of our closest other golf courses. So it's it's easy to point in the direction when we are we are open a lot more than others. Um so certain arguments as to why wheel restrictions might not be in place is not easy. I shouldn't say easy, but what I am able to point out is that we are open to 17 or 18 main greens we are open it is carry only but we are open when maybe a course five to ten miles away is open to six temporary greens and that's it that my arguments stand up somewhat is what i'm trying to say if, if you get me um so there we go guys that's just a quick one that's me Stu, head greenkeeper down on the kent coast um, I think this would make a good chat for other people. Um, like I say, I'm not having a whinge and a whine about my situation. My situation is fortunate. I am well supported. Others are not. My heart goes out to those who are being put under pressure to have certain areas of their golf clubs open when it makes absolutely no sense and when playing surfaces are being destroyed and what would what is going to be needed to rectify this is going to be, you know, expensive and, and may, you know, areas of golf courses may take longer, will take longer to recover than they normally would if if we were able to rest them. Hang in there. Do it's easy for me to say. Reach out, talk to people. You know, that's not a turf specific thing, is it? Coming as a you know, as a recovering alcoholic that I am who suffered with anxiety. Reach out, talk open up as best you can speak to those closest to you partners friends family um speak to those people um i'm going to release this uh, i say i hope it doesn't sound whingy and whiny it's meant to support it's a little bit of an insight into some of the things that i've experienced in the last few weeks again i'll say it again i have been well supported i feel fortunate in this sense but it is still early um, I hope I'm well supported throughout the winter. I'm sure I will be. And um, get in touch. We can chat about it. Uh, not necessarily on the podcast. I am always looking for guests, but I'm happy to have a chat away from the microphone. If I can offer a little bit of advice, I will try. But um, I guess each site is different. I think there's people out there with a lot wetter soil profiles than mine. Uh, I've been Stuart. This has been Henry Weston's Elfmate, the podcast. This has been a specific pod for the Greenkeepers Mental Health Support Group. Um, wishing you all the best for November, guys. Take care.